0: Hey, everyone. I'm Michael Nunez, and I'm here with Dave Anderson. Oh, hey there. Hello there. How's it going? Happy 2020. Happy 2020. Yes, time to celebrate. If you're listening to this, it is because I'm on vacation. Oh, my gosh. (laughs)
1: Where are you right now? So
0: if you're listening to this (laughs) right now, I'm probably in Brazil. Are you drinking a capirinha? I I really hope so. There's a (laughs) capirinha in my hand, and I'm hanging out, and I'm lounging. My wife and my son are going to Brazil to celebrate his first birthday. That's a good first birthday present. Yeah. I mean, it's good for us. He's not going to remember it and we're on vacation. <laughs> so it's great. Great for everyone. I don't so, have to throw a crazy party and it's amazing.
1: So it sounds good. Yeah. That doesn't, I don't want to do that. I'm pl- yeah. I <laughs> no. But speaking of like uh, relaxation or uh, sustainability, maybe even this episode that we're remixing for you is number 114 from my tats. Mm -hmm. Um, Open source sustainability and ethical advertising with Eric Holscher.
0: Yeah, I mean, I we had him on, on the podcast and I didn't know he was an individual who's so prevalent in the Python community. Eric is the co-founder of Read the Docs, which is like a huge thing in Python. I had no idea until I Googled it. it have you crazy. read the docs? I've, I I tried to now. I mean, <laughs> I got to know all the docs. It was pretty yeah. cool to have him and uh, being able to explain how open source projects are sustainable and different ways that they do that, including ethical advertising which i thought was like a brand new word i heard and it was amazing
1: just to know more about it yeah new york city needs a lot more of that that's those are my 2020 resolutions like be ethical and be sustainable (laughs) (laughs) yes that is important for all the developers out there for you
0: we hope you enjoy the episode let's just get right to it hello and welcome to the rabbit hole the definitive developers podcast in fantabulous chelsea manhattan I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our co-host today, Dave Anderson, and today we'll be talking about open source sustainability and ethical advertising. It's a deep topic. It's a deep topic. I mean, I understand there's open source projects out there and people need to, you know, pay, pay for food and pay for a living. How do you sustain an open source project? We'll jump right into that. We have a special guest today,
1: Eric Holscher. Hey, Eric, how's it going?
2: Great. How are y'all doing? Sounds pretty good.
1: Yeah, not too shabby. Enjoying things out here in New York City. You're out in uh, the magnificent high deserts of Oregon, right?
2: Yep. Yeah, I'm out in Bend for a couple of weeks, but I'm normally based out of Portland.
1: Pacific Northwest.
0: Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Sure. Yeah, well, I think in this context, the the most important thing is that I am one of the co-founders of Read the Docs, uh, which is a documentation hosting platform for open source. We've been around for about nine years now, and we have around 30 million page views a month, uh, and we host I think something like 100,000 open source projects. And yeah, and so that's kind of the, the hat I'm wearing today.
1: Yeah, and like read the docs is something that's just like so ubiquitous in the Python community that's just like, it's the air. You don't even know that it's there, but it, <laughs> it is there, and yeah. if it's not there, then you can't breathe. <laughs> yeah, no,
2: people people get, well, you certainly can't learn, that's that's, <laughs> that's for sure, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's very, very much kind of core infrastructure for Python and and a little bit more and more for some of the other language communities as well, like PHP and some JavaScript stuff is on there. But definitely, our biggest kind of audience is Python.
1: Oh, that's cool. I didn't. I didn't realize that. It's just so ubiquitous in Python that there's just no choice about it. It's just like if you're not read a docs, then you may as well not even exist.
2: <laughs> yeah people people get very upset with me when it goes down especially you know anyone doing kind of data science or, or web development uh in python especially yeah it's uh you know we host Jupyter docs and a bunch of django stuff and yeah there's lots of core stuff there
1: yeah yeah you gotta download the, those like uh pdf copies of the documentation or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah have them all fly save them save them <laughs> i mean that's that's such a amazing thing that it uh, Read the Docs has grown into such a core part of the Python community like what's what was the the origin story there like how how did how did that come about
2: sure yeah I mean this is kind of a classic scratch your own itch thing right like I had some Python libraries I wanted to write docs for and and I had a cron job running on my server that just like Pulled them down from GitHub and you know built HTML every you know five minutes or whatever and really read the docs was a, re- a response to that where it's like we have webhooks we have you know Django we have tech- we have the technology um, <laughs> so really the the core of the idea is you know listening for a webhook and auto building docs and generating lots of formats and basically just keeping them up to date online and so it was actually created in a forty eight hour coding competition but then for for many years after that you know continued working on it.
1: Wow! Yeah, oh, wow. way way faster than the guy who made JavaScript. <laughs> way faster. <laughs> beat him! Beat him by yeah. Beat him by four days. Nice. Oh wow! <laughs> you, you rested for uh, five days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that's that's great. So, I mean, when something picks up that much, like how, how do you manage to keep that ahead of you? Like I I'm only just now like kind of dipping my toes into open source contributions and kind of getting more involved in that but it's it there's a lot of hats that you got to you got to wear when you know people start to depend on you
2: yeah and i think that was one of the things that really kind of surprised me is is over the first few years of the project people started to become more and more dependent and you know more people would yell at me when i broke something or, or the site went down <laughs> and that's really kind of how it how it kind of dawned on me over time that that this was something that was really important and you know i had to start wearing you know set up you know pager duty and the no, pager duty <laughs> didn't exist at the time probably but uh, you know w- wearing that that notification thing
1: i mean it's it's kind of crazy thinking about the idea of slapping a pager on yourself for something that's open source like people fight that tooth and nail when they're on on the job not to have that responsibility
2: right yeah people are people are doing it you know doing it and getting paid and, and still not wanting to and and I really do think that was a really kind of something that led to me getting burnt out originally kind of doing this work was wearing a pager for free, you know, mm. especially on the, the Pacific Northwest summers where you have, you know, 12 weekends where it doesn't rain or, or whatever. And <laughs> oh, wow. you know, I had to yeah. stay home for some of those because I was, you know, working without getting paid, you know, that's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, bad deal.
1: <laughs> right. You got to make those count because you got that, that Pacific Northwest winter that it's the complete opposite of that. <laughs> so,
2: yeah, and I, I really do think over over time that really kind of starts to wear on you. Know you know like doing something for free and feeling like it's really important, but not really having the resources around you know like especially economically to, to support yourself. Right? I'm I'm doing this thing that millions of people use, but I have no no money <laughs> to right. show for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's like such a common story too. I I, I remember seeing a, a tweet from the creator of like a a really popular uh javascript linting library and he was just talking about how you know he explained to his parents like what he does and they're like "Uh, we have no idea (laughs) what the heck you're talking about or like why why you would do something so crazy
2: Yeah, and it it still really doesn't make sense when you, you explain it to people outside. They're like, Wait, you're just doing something for free to give away to the world for you like no <laughs> like like what?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. My girlfriend's into not profit and so she's like, I get it. It's <laughs> like, yeah, do that. <laughs> she's like, It's like it's like you're on the the board of like this whole community and you're like guiding everything and it's like, Oh yeah, it's making the world a better place.
2: Well no, I'm I'm also on the board of the Python Software Foundation, so I that's that's one of the many hats that I have, but...
1: That's a legit nonprofit relationship. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have like millions of dollars and, and all that good stuff that we put back into the community. But yeah, oh, that's but, awesome. and it's definitely a, a common case, right? You have a lot of people doing this work for free. And the mental model that makes sense is, you know, I do work for free. You do work for free. We all benefit. But it's when it really starts to break down. I think more and more in the modern time when, you know, more people are... are Using open source and fewer contributing as a, a percentage, uh, it becomes harder and harder to sustain that, you know, existing relationship. I think.
1: They, so recently there was a an update to GitHub. Uh, There's a new feature that they put out for supporting open source or su- supporting like specific contributors on GitHub or supporting specific projects on GitHub financially. So this is like rolling out over time, and it's like okay, that's that's pretty cool. But like, the thing that really floored me was that I. Recently, like pushed up my first package to to PyPI. They pushed up this like little mock helper library, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm I'm so cool. Like I, I made a library. That's that's great. But they added this little tag on uh, the GitHub repository where it's like, okay, your your library has this many dependencies, and the dependencies of your library have this many contributors, and so it's like, oh, I'm the sole maintainer of this library. Except for all of the thirty thousand other developers <laughs> that built everything that went into this. Oh, that's awesome. Right.
2: It's definitely a definitely a circle of life kind of moment. You're like, we're all connected.
1: <laughs> yeah. I felt it. You know, it was like, you know, Walden or something. Like there's uh, it's all in the air. <laughs> the app you put on GitHub was like Baby Simba
0: and like you were putting it up on Pride Rock and then everyone <laughs> else, every single developer was watching you. But babysim up into the sky. That's, that's yeah. Kind of except the circle except,
1: of life. Except they were the mountain. Like <laughs> you know, I, and I, I did nothing. <laughs> so Eric, right, question. So in and the, the hyenas
2: of, is your landlord. Oh yeah, and, and the
1: <laughs> oh, are your they're, they're there. What's your thoughts on like that kind of avenue for contribution?
2: I mean, we've done a lot of. Like where we started originally was with donations, and I think we got up to about a thousand dollars a month with donations. And and really, the takeaway that we had was that we have to build real business value because donations from individuals are never going to be enough to like make something truly sustainable. And I think most of the other examples I've seen in open source of truly sustainable projects have been majority business you know, business money and minority mm-hmm. kind of individual money. And I think I'm hoping the GitHub thing is the the first step towards a a larger kind of corporate sponsorship program.
1: Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting.
2: Yeah. And, and that's really kind of, I, I wrote a blog post on this that maybe we can put in the show notes. Let me actually grab the title. But yeah, so basically the, the blog post was called Funding Open Source with Marketing Money. Mm. And really the the thought there was like, we like individuals donation budgets are like in the, measured in the hundreds of dollars a year and marketing budgets at companies are measured in the you know millions of dollars a year and yeah, yeah. to really kind of become sustainable in open source we have to be a, you know we have to be targeting these much larger pools of money you know a lot of traditional open source is well targeted to kind of the engineering tools budget but it similarly uh, marketing budgets are are much larger than engineering tool budgets even <laughs> and so right. that was really kind of the the thought process behind what we were doing is like we tried donations and we're like that didn't work. So what do we need to do to really change our approach to, you know, match that reality where how do we build an approach that, that targets marketing money instead of, you know, donations? And that's really the the origin of the ethical advertising stuff that we've worked on.
0: So donations was uh the first step. We now see that GitHub is supporting the ability to donate right on GitHub.com. And you just said the word or the phrase that people are probably questioning, which is ethical advertising, give us a little bit about what that is and what that means to ReadTheDocs.org.
2: Sure, right. So, so kind of as I mentioned, uh, we looked at kind of targeting marketing money, and and the traditional way of doing that is with advertising, right? Mm-hmm. And especially in read the Docs case, all of our users are open source maintainers who are also working for free, and so charging those people was kind of a non-starter, really, and really what we needed to do was find a way to extract value from our users, because we have millions of users who you know, get a lot of value out of Read the Docs, but never are ever going to pay us money. And really, that's what we viewed advertising as is a way to kind of extract a, a micropayment of attention from all of our users. Mm-hmm. And when we looked at the advertising landscape, we we thought it was really kind of not great. We really didn't want to be tracking our users or do retargeting campaigns and all this kind of traditional you know stuff that's going on in the ad industry
1: right yeah it's it's kind of wild like all of like how deep it actually goes like if you if you look at like oh google it's, uh, it's such a great company it does everything for free and it's like oh but how like they they know everything about you and, and your dog too <laughs> like oh yeah wild. i mean
0: like they they they'll like find you go to a site and you get advertising and then that advertisement follows you across all your platforms and social media. It's like, stop following me. Did you
1: buy that DVD yet? Yeah.
2: And there's all sorts of perverse economics around that as well that I, we probably don't have time to get into today, but (laughs) but look up retargeting and look up how it, how it saves advertisers money. And when you hear saves advertisers money, what you really need to hear is cost publishers money. (laughs) And in that, in that model, read the docs as a publisher. (laughs) And so um, retargeting is bad for us. And it's also bad for the internet.
1: You get less per impression basically from that.
2: Yep. It's a much deeper topic that that we don't need to cover today, but but look it up if you're <laughs> if you're curious. Um but really it for us it really came down to respect. I think that's the the real word is we wanted to respect our users, we wanted to respect our advertisers, and we wanted to respect ourselves, you know. We wanted to to continue to be proud of the work we were doing, and we wanted our business model to to kind of show that. And so really we just did the simplest thing that would work, which was put advertising on the internet without knowing anything about who's viewing it. Um, We we call it kind of newspaper advertising on the internet. We have the equivalent kind of targeting that newspapers had, right? We have your kind of geography. So we know what country you're from, from your IP address. Mm -hmm. And we also know the content you're looking at. So, right. We know if you're looking at, you know, Python documentation, we know that kind of stuff. And so really that's how we do targeting is we say, you know, we know you're in the U.S. and you're looking at a Python ORM, like you probably want to look at like, the Twilio Python API, that's probably the ad that you want. So we can do that without knowing anything about our users, without tracking anyone across the internet. We just know, basically, we know what content we're serving, and we use that to target the ads.
1: Right. It's like a very much tailored to a specific domain. Like you have a a better like fit with with that.
2: And the beauty of that model is it it works pretty well for almost all open source because, you know, open source projects tend to know their users and know that, the, you know, an open source maintainer tends to be very similar to the user of that project and know what they want and know what they're interested in and you know so really, I think we're in an incredibly targeted industry and and niche already, so we don't we don't need to do anything weird or creepy. we can just show you the stuff that we like and you'll probably like it too
1: <laughs> right right yeah, I was kind of struck like looking through the user settings page for the advertising like uh, as someone who's like hosting something on read the Docs. And kind of like kind of going through the whole process, where it's like, okay, you might be this kind of person. You might be an open source developer, so you can't uh, pay money, or like, but maybe you can contribute to our project. You can help us with issues if you don't want to have advertising, or you know, these are these are many different avenues that you may be in life, or things that you may be doing. And we understand that, like, we we know who you are, and you know, these are the ways that you know, are available for you to help us. And it's like it's really about an exchange.
2: Like we will we'll happily take your code over your money. <laughs> and if you're just someone who doesn't want paid advertising, this actually we have a, a really cool program that's called Community Ads, where we only do advertising for community projects. So open source projects or community conferences. So like you know the Python, uh PyCon Africa or PyCon Latin America are good examples mm-hmm. where we're running ads for those folks. And if you're a an open source user and you're like we don't want paid ads on our projects we'd let you basically turn off monetization so you just show ads for community projects so you're basically just promoting stuff in the community and that's an option that we give folks that host our docs uh, with us because yeah we, we really want to make sure we're giving back to the community and in, in all the ways that we can
1: that is really cool that like respect is like a core value for for us at, at stride and so like that that definitely this is my personal true. favorite core value oh yeah
0: it the really one that, is. that you you That's shout, the one out the I shout out the loudest <laughs> i think and i just want to go back to the idea of like respect in terms of like the advertisement i don't know if you guys have ever dived into i don't know if uh if if you guys even have a facebook but if you can go into like the buckets that facebook has you in is extremely creepy and how much that they know about you to, to target those advertisements to you based on the things that you have liked and groups and whatnot, it's just like, it was like, wow, like they know me on a level that, and this may not even be true because I grew up as a person and I'm completely different, but like be not have to think about that. And like to go to, you know, read the docs and see an advertisement that will likely resonate with me. I think it's much better than like knowing that a company is like, hoarding all this information about me and then feeding me these advertisements that or I like, may not even care for
1: <laughs> or like knowing your wife is pregnant before you know your wife is and, pregnant or yeah, she knows she's pregnant or something no, crazy exactly. like exactly
2: <laughs> and i think that's really a lot of what we didn't know at the beginning is is we hadn't seen this approach taken too often the two big examples in the industry are are very obviously tracking users and so we really didn't know if it was going to work or not and so it's been really satisfying to see that you know Maybe we're losing I mean honestly compared to Google, we're making money compared to what they would pay us for for our traffic, and part of that's there's a few different reasons for that, but yeah, just to see that it's been working and that we've been able to build this model and and that's really what we're trying to do is is you know raise awareness and you know, hey, you can have advertising while respecting your users and your advertisers, you know like we're not doing any weird click fraud we're not doing it you know like like this is just a a very mutually respectful. Uh, Relationship.
1: This this almost feels like one of those things where, you know, like Slack was a seed that kind of grew out of like an MMO where you like milked butterflies and other weird (laughs) trippy things. (laughs) Like like where where like this like kind of idea of like ethical advertisement comes out of the seed of like open source. But if it feels like it it could actually be like a broader thing that people might want outside of Read the Docs as a product, even.
2: And and that was really kind of one of our thoughts is like if if us as people who know the technical and ethical considerations of, of tracking and advertising as currently implemented opt into that system, then then what luck do like like who else will <laughs> will kind of stand up against it. Right. If if the folks who know exactly what's going on, when when a Bitcoin miner is running in a JavaScript block from like an ad served on like a CDN or whatever, you know, an ad network. Like, we know know how that works. We're not the ones who are going to say, you know, I don't want random JavaScript from, you know, advertisers running on my sites. Like, no one else is going to say that. And so, you know, a lot of it was kind of our approach was we felt somebody has to to kind of prove that this model works. And we're obviously the, the ones who can do that. So...
0: And yeah, just visiting a website and then hearing my fans rev up, I'm like, mm, something's fishy going on here. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody's mining Monero or something. Computers
1: <laughs> getting ready to take off. Yeah, like,
0: and I'm just visiting his website. It's like very really light. I'm sure that kind of stuff is happening over behind the ads. And the idea that like this approach, uh, as Dave mentioned the seed that is uh, growing that came from something like open source where people aren't interested in money, but more about interested in building the community. I would love to see more of this uh, ethical advertising happen just off the basis of of everyone doing the right thing for the internet.
2: Yeah. And it's been really good to see we've had a few different people that have kind of taken the ethical advertising kind of banner and run with it. I know the the real Python uh, folks are doing similar stuff. Uh, the FileZilla team is doing similar stuff. There's also a, a group called Code Sponsor, uh, which is also doing kind of an ethical advertising model. And then we're also looking at kind of launching an ethical ad network, uh, mm. which would let other people kind of become, you know, hosts of this technology. So, you know, if you had a, a blog or a documentation site that's not on read the docs, but you, you, know, you still want you don't, you don't need to do ad sales. You don't need to do, you know, all the work that goes into this, but you want to, you believe in the the methodology. That's, that's kind of the next step that we see towards spreading it. Right. Is like making everyone have an ad salesperson in open source is not the solution. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so that's, there's, there's a few different ways that kind of things are branching out and and good stuff's happening around this. And so it's been good to, to see that idea spread at least a little bit within the open source community. It gives me hope for it spreading, uh, farther and wider so
1: yeah definitely are there any other like ideas that you are pretty excited about in terms of like helping keep open source sustainable uh be it from like fundraising techniques or even from the perspective of like ways of working or approaching the the problem
2: so another approach that i've seen in the python world which is where i'm most kind of well versed um, there's a project called the django rest framework and -hmm. what they did is basically they've created this idea of kind of collective funding of the project. And so there you can have different levels of sponsorship where people come in and, and really the pitch is, you know, instead of you having an engineer at your company working 20% of the time doing this poorly, what if, you know, 10 companies came together and built, you know, spent 10% of the money and got an engineer working on this full time doing really, really great work. Right. And there's huge companies that are built you know, directly on REST framework for the back end of their apps or their APIs. And so I I really like that kind of concept around really selling kind of the engineering value Mm. much more so than, you know, like you're going to go into the engineering budget, but I think that's a much more effective way of selling into an engineering organization. You know, donations are pretty much a non-starter, even at corporations, like these corporations have like two people that do donations (laughs) and you have to be a 501c3 and it's like somebody's like Bottom of their priority list and the first money that gets cut, right. whereas really yeah, having yeah. this, you know, this investment in the in the core of your business, I think, is a much better uh, approach to funding.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess with with that, there's like an interesting, like, very intimate exchange where now you you have like this relationship of uh, they're your patron, and you know you you want to make sure that maintain some autonomy with how you approach. Maintaining and growing the library, and you know, you don't feel like pressured into, you know, building exactly the thing that they want or, or whatever. Yeah, have you. no,
2: I, I think governance is always a an interesting question in open source. But you know, when the, when the other option is like not doing the work because you have to get a job, you know, getting paid full time to work on it, even if you're, you know, your priorities get a little bit rejiggered, seems like a, a better outcome for everyone. So
0: that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I I definitely learned something new with ethical advertising. And I would love to subscribe to that however or whenever I start a new project. I think that it's a really, really cool and thoughtful way to contribute to the community without doing any creepiness. And I think what you uh, brought to the conversation is amazing. And I hope that more people have learned just like I have.
2: Great. Yeah. And I, I love that kind of echo around the, the core value of respect, um, someone actually gave that to me, the, that specific word, and it really resonated for our approach as well. And it, that's great that that's something that, that other folks are, are working around. And I'm really excited to build more you know, respectful software and, and respectful business models around the software that we create.
1: Yeah, just shout it from the rooftops. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Eric?
0: How can people contact you?
2: Sure, yeah. So the the easiest place is just you can Google my name, Aeroculture, and that'll drop you on AirCulture dot com, and that has links to to everything else you might want: Twitter, GitHub, uh, email, all that good stuff.
1: So. Cool. You got anything to plug?
2: I think the the main main things are if if this is interesting, you know, we're always looking for advertisers. So you know, if you're <laughs> uh, an advertiser who you know believes in this model and wants to support us, you know, we we really do respect the advertisers that have chosen to work with us because it is a, a different thing than what they're used to. Similarly, uh, we have a conference coming up in Prague, wearing another hat of mine in, called <laughs> Write the Docs, which is all about the software industry and software documentation. Uh, so it's in mid-September, so if that's of interest. And then the the last thing is PyCascades, which is the, the kind of Northwest uh, U.S. regional, U.S. and Canada, actually, with the first one is in Vancouver. Regional Python conference will be in around February of next year. We haven't announced the dates, Uh, but that'd be the other one. If you want to come meet up in person and talk about Python and see some beautiful mountains, that would be the the last thing I'd like to talk about.
1: Love it. Yeah. Pacific Northwest. Definitely, definitely go the Pacific Northwest or if you have to choose between Prague and the Pacific Northwest, I don't know how you choose. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Luckily I don't have to.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's braggable. (laughs) Just try to make it to
0: at least one of those places when you get the chance. (laughs) Good stuff. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire William Jeffries and my amazing co-host Dave Anderson and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.